Hello, Habit Mechanics. Dr. John Finn here. Hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Welcome to another episode of the Habit Mechanic podcast. We're going to cover chapter 15 from the Habit Mechanic book. And this is the first chapter where we start to think about the rich toolkit that's available within the Habit Mechanic book. It's also in the Habit Mechanic app as well. So I suppose it's a segue chapter which sets up all these rich and powerful tools you're going to get. And um, I think it's a it's a really, really short but powerful chapter. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking this. And I'm joined as ever by my friend and colleague, Andrew Whitelam. Andrew, how are you? Yes. Hi, John. Uh, great to be here again with you on this uh, live stream and uh, looking forward to delving into chapter 15. And uh, of course, uh, answering any questions that people on the stream might have and they can just post them in the chat if they want to and uh, I'll pick those up and uh, we can uh, pass them on to you and you can come back to people so very much looking forward to this session yeah so this is a live session um, it's part of the premium subscription in the Habit Mechanic University app it's one of three live sessions that we're that we that we do every week and also coupled with our live training is unlimited on-demand personal coaching and I know many people have been using the new coaches that we've added into the Habit Mechanic University I've been using them myself and they are really really powerful so if you do have any questions let us know equally if you're online if you're joining us just say hi it's good it's good to know who's uh who's who's joined us today so don't be shy let us know you're here and then certainly ask questions. So yeah, over to you, Andrew. I think you've got some questions about the chapter. Yeah, that's right, John. Uh, chapter 15, train your willpower to help you be your best more often. Um, now in the chapter, you as well as the, the, the title, which uh, is, is very clear, you also write, the better trained your willpower, the more effortlessly you'll be able to be your best. Um Willpower as a trainable resource. I, I think that might possibly be um, a surprising concept, a surprising idea for some people. So please do talk to us a bit more about that, please. Yeah, so equally, Hugh is a trainable resource for lots of unhelpful things. So we talked about the Lighthouse Brain model, which I think is in Chapter 10, and the challenge that we have in understanding ourselves is that the main driver of our behavior is the most complex thing in the known universe. That is our brain. We've only been able to look inside brains for about 20, 25 years in a, in a meaningful way via technologies like functional MRI scanners. And it's, it's a hugely complex thing. But after 20 or so years of studying and examining the, examining the brain, and also plugging that neuroscience data into other sets of behavioural data that we've collected before we could look inside the brain. We do have a gist understanding of, of, of what we are designed to do and what our brain is designed to do. And what we've learned over the years, you know, I've been working in these fields for over 20 years now. I've, I've worked with, when we first uh, were writing the book, which is probably over two years ago now, I talked about 10,000 people, so it's way more than that now. We know that 
when we start to get into the nitty gritty and the neurobiological terms for the brain and this area and that area, we can confuse people pretty quickly. What we also know is that we are designed, our brains are designed to learn episodically. We have episodic memories and episodic memories are very useful for remembering stories you know, and culturally, as homo sapiens, we have these stories that drive our belief systems. So what we've done in the habit mechanic approach, what we've been refining in the tougher minds approach over many, many years, is we're trying to make really relatable stories that are actually backed by really good science. So when we're talking about willpower, this imaginary character um, that lives in a lighthouse brain that actually neurobiologically we're referring to the prefrontal cortex and we're saying that willpower can be trained what we're really saying is the sites in our brain that help us to regulate impulses and help us to start building new helpful habits and help us to start automating new helpful habits they are trainable like a muscle is trainable so we have about 100 billion neurons in our brain they're like plasticine they're changing all the time in accordance with what we practice the, the the neurons that you that you work out that you practice using every day so for example you might practice beating yourself up a lot or you might practice being inattentive you might practice being negative you might practice staying up late you might practice eating too much junk food you might practice doing no exercise we don't think typically of doing those things as practice but it, that's what it is the more we practice anything the more wires in our brain we develop for it the more we practice using our prefrontal cortex, our willpower, the more we strengthen it. Um, brains are changing all the time, but they mature. So our brain, in broad terms, wires from the back of the head. So when we're first born, we don't have much wiring anywhere apart from right at the back of the head. So our real survival centers. And as we're growing through our childhood years and then into our teens and into our early early to mid-20s, we're getting increasing um, levels of wiring moving from the back of our head to the front of our head. And the last part of our brain to wire is the prefrontal cortex. And it's the first part to um, to degenerate, which is why we see those prefrontal cortex diseases setting in when we get older. But I could go further there, Andrew, but I don't want to just hog the microphone so to speak but that's when we're talking about training willpower that's what we're that's what that's what we mean we can train these sites in our brain which we unpacked a little bit in um in the in the last podcast that we did when we talked about emotional regulation we can train those sites because those sites are like muscles yeah and i know um this this overview of the brain brain structure and how brains function is is a, a central core of uh, everything you do in, in your work to help people do better and feel better and and of course that understanding now is being delivered um via the habit mechanic university app and and of course in the habit mechanic the habit mechanic book um what sort of reaction do you get from people who who come to this knowledge for the first time um it, it is quite revelatory it certainly was for me when when I, I first came across it the reaction is almost a light bulb moment that that makes sense 
and I was I was actually speaking to one of my uh, clients yesterday, very very experienced behaviour change person, and he'd come across the habit mechanic book, read it, decided he wanted he wanted his training to become a certified habit mechanic coach, and he was just saying that I am absolutely believe now this approach helping people to build better habits using this framework is the only way to help people build sustainable change um so it just makes sense and if you think of what other things people may have heard about themselves and the things that drive them it it will be very black box ideas but from school, they will have been taught that they're either good at something or they're not good at something. And the things they're not good at, they'll never be good at. And then we have these personality tests designed over 100 years ago and that give people these arbitrary kind of personas that are too rigid to be useful, but are actually used, you know, worryingly in mainstream uh, society to segment people, you know, in in terms of getting employment, but also when they're employment. So when you can tell people a story, and this is, this is when we know data's good, because for anything we're trying to understand, we can get multiple sources of data. So if we think about human behaviour, we can get data from how brains work. We can also get data from what we see people doing. We can get data from people explaining their experience of things. And this willpower story with the eight brain and you and the three ways we've described the brain over the subsequent um the last uh, set of um talks that we've done and, and pods that we've done they really connect with people and that tells me that they're on the money in terms of how they're explaining human how humans operate so in a in a short story or even a paragraph or a few sentences this understanding moves people from being a bit troubled and maybe confused about why they feel like they feel to getting a, an awful lot more clarity on why it is like that, but also the, the understanding that they can do better um, because they're not fixed and it's normal that we might worry and beat ourselves up or have unhelpful habits but there's a way to, to do things differently and better. Yeah, and, and part of, of the way you, you engage people with the stories and, and with the concepts, which is, is so powerful. I've certainly seen it myself. Obviously, we're this far in the book now, so people hopefully will be familiar with the Lighthouse Brain concept that you've touched on and also um, the character you call Hugh, Horribly Unhelpful Emotions, H-U-E, uh, Hugh. Um, in chapter 15, which we're discussing now, you talk about how willpower can can guide and mentor you almost. And, and, and you talk about a learning room in the lighthouse itself, the, the lighthouse brain. So how how helpful is this sort of relation to, to, to think of this relationship between our willpower and our hue? Well, I think it's very relatable, the idea of, you know, if we go back to. um maybe more simplistic and earlier forms of self-understanding we have i used to work a lot in golf psychology and um i remember a story of 
I think some guys who were playing on the sort of the challenge tour level, so the, the level below the European tour. And one guy was telling this story about the playing partner he was with, and he periodically kept whacking his um, his left shoulder. And this guy's looking and thinking, "What's what's this? What's this guy doing?" And he carried on doing it. So he eventually asked, him, "What what are you doing?" He said, "Oh, that's the devil. Keeps saying bad things to me." You know, so we have the idea of the de- the angel and the devil on on either shoulder. This self talk idea. Um, I've heard people talking about the judge and judgmental. What the lighthouse brain story is? It's a neurobiological based understanding of what actually is happening in your brain, but in a relatable way. And the fact that there is a, a relationship dynamic going on, we have this incredible power to talk to ourselves. You know, most of the time, we're not even, well, most people are not aware they're even doing that. So we say, if you don't think you're speaking to yourself right now, notice how you're saying to yourself, I'm not speaking to myself. I'm a crazy person. So it's there all the time, but we're not aware of it. So I think it's just very relatable. But the fact that it's based on robust science makes it more powerful in terms of helping people to um, not just believe, but to start taking positive action. Okay, thanks, John. Um, I just want to sort of jump ahead, as it were, in a way, in the rest of the chapter, we talk about the vast array of of practical tools that are are based on this understanding and and spring forth, if you like, from this understanding. But um, I know one one clear message you give uh, consistently to people about if they want to strengthen and boost their willpower is their brain state, their brain health. of course, you point out this is uh, principally driven by sleep, diet and exercise. Um, just talk to us about that, if you would, how, how, how your willpower is, is rooted in these three things. Yeah, so willpower is a limited resource in the sense of we only have so much of it each day. Everyone can relate to having great intentions, but they get to the end of the day, they're tired and then they're just continue with their old unhelpful habits um if you read someone like uh roy baumeister's work he talks about you know glucose is is the fuel that's that's, that's driving a willpower which, which is interesting um, but it, it depletes we know that if we're sleeping well if we're exercising properly, and remember we're designed to move around, um, walk 12 miles per day, doesn't mean we need to do that, but that's what we are anthropologically designed to do, we're hunter-gatherers. And also if we're not putting the right food into our body, so into our body, so let me say that in a different way, sleep, diet and exercise underpin brain health. Um, The most difficult part of your brain to get working well is your prefrontal cortex. So it stands to reason that if your brain's not very healthy, your PFC is not going to work very well. So if you've got brain fog or low energy levels, the first thing to think about is the quality of your sleep, the quality of your diet, and the quality of the exercise that you do every day, because they all underpin. Now, excitingly, Andrew, we have just released the 
diet, exercise and sleep swap tool, which is the the, the dead swap. So people may have seen this in the Habit Mechanic book. It's in chapter 19, the paper version of it. We've just released the digital version of that inside the Habit Mechanic University app. So people that are subscribed, you go into your toolkit. Well, if you, you can work with the sleep and health coach, but if you want to use the desk swap tool, you go into your toolkit, go into the training section and go into the sleep diet and exercise section. That's possibly the most powerful tool we've just released, partly because getting those three things right is so essential, but more difficult than ever before. Um, and we know the desk swap is super, super powerful and being able to use a digital version just takes it to another level. So, yeah, as always in our approach, we're not just going to help you to understand what you need to do. We're going to help you to habitualize it as well. And um, if you're listening to this, you'll be able, and you're a premium member, you'll be able to access the desk swap tool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I've seen that appear in the app and uh, or, or the developments for it and uh, looking forward very much to seeing that uh, really start to flourish now and hopefully people will be really starting to use it. Um, John, as we move through chapter 15 then, um, you, you talk about and you, you almost excitingly set out a, a journey for people by um, listing the vast array of tools that are predicated and based on, on um, the understanding of how our brains work and how habits drive us. Um, so many different things, sleep, diet and exercise, stress management, confidence, productivity, performing under pressure. Um, in the chapter, you stress how um, at the heart of this, getting these things right is planning planning um and of course the habit mechanic university app helps us do that um why does planning why is planning so pivotal to, to sort of marshalling our willpower and, and being able to accomplish these things that you set out yeah so everything that we help people to do differently so they can build more helpful habits more super habits and destroy more destructive habits really centers on doing more intelligent self-watching more intelligent planning most of the time we are running on autopilot so we are just running on habitual behavior what we think and what we do we know that's a minimal of 98 percent. often it's 100 percent. i know that's quite a hard i've had a few editors have struggled to get their head around that idea. I didn't want to publish that, that that kind of stat until you showed them the scientific papers. Because we have an illusion of consciousness in our brain, we're running on autopilot most of the time. So why is self-watching, intelligent self-watching and intelligent planning powerful? Because we that's when we switch on our prefrontal cortex. It's where we deliberately move ourselves out of our habitual brain and we switch on the, the neocortex and we switch on you know the we can think of the pfc in very simple terms it's like a brake that can just pause some of the automaticity so if we just take a really simple example you're on a diet you don't want to consume any sugar today you go to the cafe for a coffee and you see all the delicious um cakes and muffins lined up and you'll think your your eight brain is telling you, oh, they look good. Oh, they'd be so nice. Oh, you should probably have one of those. And we can make a, a decision to get one, or we can 
saying, no, I'm on a diet. If that morning we've created a day swap plan, for example, where we're focusing on our diet, and part of that plan is to not have any uh, refined sugar today, we're going to be more conscious that we've made that commitment and therefore more likely to resist the temptation. And what we can also do is we can use uh, planning to get the nine action factors working for us. We're going to unpack the nine action factors in chapter 18 of the book, which is uh, three chapters forwards from here. But they're the factors that drive what we think and what we do. They're always on, but often they're invisible and we're not aware of them. So the the planning process, consciously addressing each of those nine areas and planning how we can get them working for us instead of against us is going to be key to having a better chance of managing our behaviour. So we talk, so we can, we can use willpower to resist in the moment, to stop ourselves saying that thing we really want to say, to stop ourselves doing that thing we really want to do. But we can also use willpower as a conduit for change. That is, we can use it to create plans about the future and about what we will do in the future. And the fact we've created a plan, and if we've created a habit-building plan that we show you how to do in our approach, you've got a much better chance of putting, of um, deploying the behaviour that you, that you want to deploy rather than the one that you're in the habit of deploying. Yeah, thanks for that, John. Um, please do uh, keep your questions coming in. If you if you have any, po- post them in the chat in the Habit Mechanic University app and we can uh, put them to John. Um, if you're listening live, of course, you can do that. If you're listening to this recorded, um, then hopefully we can share some insights for you. But please do have a think about your questions as, as we start to move towards uh, the end of this session. And um, we'll just have just have one question come in, John. Um directly actually um someone's just just listened to what you've said about planning and the pivotal nature of it they they just say um could you just reprise for us and and they do they are a uh a doer of the daily tea plan they tell me um could you just re- reprise for us how planning in the day in the way the daily tea plan does help us plan to to reduce our stress If you want to fulfill your potential or help other people fulfill their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book, Because You Deserve to Know the Truth. The most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfill our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. So how can we use the Daily Tea Plan to plan to reduce stress? Yeah, and how, and how, does, it, how does it do that for us? Yeah, well, it's on a continuum. 
So our ability to manage stress will be tied into the knowledge and skills that we've got to be able to do that. Um, so I might have some really sophisticated knowledge and skills about managing stress, for example, because I've, let's just say I've read the stress management chapter. So I'll, I'll use a tool in the, in the, from the stress management chapter within the context of the T plan. Um, so the first thing we're going to do in the T plan is do some intelligent self-watching and the, the standard T plan question is how well did I do my best to be at my best and achieve my goals yesterday? Well, straight away, we can tweak that question if we want. We could say, how well did I do my best to be at my best and manage my stress yesterday? So straight away, I'm focusing the question and the intelligent self-watching onto a very specific behavior. And you give yourself a score for that. It could 10 would be perfect, one would mean we failed. And then question number two in the T plan is um, create a tiny empowering action, a T, T-E-A, to help you to do a little, a little bit better today. So if I'm working on stress, it will be to manage stress better. So I may have read um, chapter 22 in the book or, and or I may be working with a stress coach in the Habit Mechanic University app. So I've learned about the power of focus reflection. We know that a core way to process stress and manage it better is to write structured reflections. We have a number of tools that we sh that we show uh, that the, the 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 stress coach will show you how to use. Let's just let's just say we're going to be general and just say at the end of the day, I'm going to write a positive or a helpful reflection which means I could use a three to one if I wanted, or I could do something longer form, like some expressive writing, but I'm just creating that time marker at the end of the day. At the end of the working day, I'm going to write this reflection. And then three is why. Why is that going to be helpful for you? So this is activating a couple of the nine action factors just in one question. It's, getting, it's firing up our personal motivation because it's making the action more meaningful. It's also helping us to get a better understanding of the reward and penalty systems um, at play if I engage in that behaviour. It's also acting as a trigger, as a reminder, because it's because of the fact I've written down the why means I've got a stronger recollection of this T plan as I go through the day. So the why might be, well, if I spend five minutes at the end of the day writing a written reflection, I'll process the, the day better i'll i'll learn more i'll remind myself more of the helpful things i'll feel better about myself i'll be able to switch off i'll be able to sleep better i'll be able to be more productive tomorrow and finish work on time so just in three simple questions and it's i suppose the t plan is the simplest version that we've been able to create of uh, intelligent self-watching and intelligent planning process that people find really powerful. Um, so just by answering those three questions, you've got a much better chance of dealing with stress and critically processing stress out at the end of the day because that, that's the key thing. It's, we often can't avoid stress, but we can get better at proactively processing it out.
Yeah, I think that's fantastically helpful uh, for anyone who is doing the tea plan um, already, just to re-emphasize its power. But also, um, that's a great um, explanation for anyone who's considering do it and uh, doing it, and, uh, and 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 should be doing it. So, yeah, f- thanks for that, John. Um, please do if you have any final questions for us, just pop them in the chat in the Habit Mechanic University, and we'll get to those. Otherwise, uh, perhaps you can uh, ask us something next time, uh, John. As, as we approach the close now of this session, I just I suppose it's it's always struck me that you you chose to um, personify willpower as a superhero or Wilhelmina power. Of course, uh, I, I know you make that distinction in the book: willpower or Wilhelmina power. You, you you personify them as superheroes. They've got the uh, the yeah, well, they could they could be out of uh, a Marvel film um, wearing a cape, uh, whereas Hugh uh, is personified as an ape like figure. Um, just just talk to us about that how how helpful that is to just consider this this overarching power that we have within ourselves that is a, is a superpower yeah i think it goes back to narrative and the the there's a classic narrative between good and evil it's at the heart of all long lasting stories um, i think it's joseph campbell isn't it who wrote about this and that Joseph Campbell's work is the basis of things like Star Wars, for example, inspired uh, George Lucas. This goody versus the baddie. I suppose we're taking a step beyond that and we're saying that these two forces are not opposed. What you actually need to do is get them working together. Um, so we talk about, you know, accepting and enjoying the I'm sort of laughing. I, I think that's one of the most off one of the things people most often report to me when they understand their hue a bit more and they hate brain more. They say they find themselves laughing at themselves more because they just start to notice some of the really silly things that um Hugh puts into their consciousness. But yeah, we can relate to superheroes, we can relate to superpowers, and we do all have this amazing ability to change our behavior yet we've been probably repeatedly told that you know things like a leopard never changes its spots that we're fixed that we're only ever we were only born to be good at certain things that isn't true um no good science tell that's available tells us that supports that hypothesis we now know that brains are hugely malleable we are designed to learn and we get good at what we practice. Um, but even that simple explanation that we're designed to learn and we get good at what we practice can be difficult to understand because we relate concepts like learning to learning maths at school or learning English. We don't think about learning to get better at beating ourselves up. And we don't think of beating ourselves up as practicing beating ourselves up. Every time you do something, you are practicing it and therefore strengthening the neurobiological connections in your brain. And that's why we go deep into learning and how it happens in a really accessible way in the book. And what underpins a habit mechanic approach is developing your habit mechanic intelligence. And what we're, I suppose, introducing in Chapter 15 is the overarching process of how we develop our mechanic intelligence we are 
putting this knowledge and these skills into our brain and we are trying to increasingly automate um, how we are able to use that knowledge and skills. So knowledge to skill to habit, willpower is the conduit to doing that. Um, so we talk about learning as the superpower and willpower is our conduit to learning because whatever we don't know today the only way we're going to know it is by paying conscious attention to it that is getting it into our working memory that might be something that's written on a piece of paper in front of you or it might be something that's been swirling around your subconscious and it's just emerged into your prefrontal cortex but we have to get it into there and then uh, repeat to remember remember to repeat and that's how we then start to move that from our short-term memory into our long-term memory so yeah i think at the heart of why the habit mechanic approach is so helpful for people is because of the the powerful stories at its heart um and the willpower will slash willamina power and hue is you know central to all the stories that we're talking about and hopefully, you know, maybe in the future we'll create some graphic novels and things like that where we can bring those characters uh, to life in even more detail. Uh, John, I was going to say uh, thank you so much for taking us through Chapter 15 and uh, the related issues and, and um, sharing more insights and, and, and taking a deep dive into the insights in the Habit Mechanic book. Um, I know the app, the Habit Mechanic University app, has been developing very rapidly, as you said, with the addition of the personalized coaching, which is a fantastic resource. Um, if you have time, just give us a quick brief overview of, of where we are with that and how people can access that. Yeah, well, first of all, our mission is to make it as easy as possible for people to be at their best using cutting-edge insights from science including neuroscience, behavioral science, applied psychology. So aligned with that mission, we are making personalized coaching, unlimited personalized coaching and on-demand personalized coaching, not on-demand where you go on a website and you book a session with someone, where on-demand where you open your phone and you can start working with a coach straight away. We are making that free to anybody. So if you go in the app now, you can start working with a coach for free, absolutely free. That isn't free to us. That's costing us money, but it's aligned with our mission. But for those people that want more sophisticated support and they want to work with more nuanced coaches, then they can upgrade to the premium level where we've created an holistic support package where you can work 24-7, unlimited, on-demand with any coach of your choice to work on those specific areas that you want to work on. Coupled with that, we have three live training sessions per week. Also, we have a rich toolkit where you can, uh, a habit-building toolkit, where you can analyze your habits and use our digital tools, ones that you may have learned about in the Habit Mechanic uh, book. You can use those tools to keep progressing and developing the habits that you want to develop. We have a, a rich community in the Habit Mechanic University app as well, which are supporting each other every day. 
so that mechanic university app now is a really really powerful and i think unique health happiness leadership if you want to go there support system um and we're really excited to get it into people's hands Okay, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for your time today, John. Um, obviously, we have uh, more live sessions coming up and more habit mechanic talks. Anything you'd like to say in closing? Yeah, just that no matter how bad you feel and how helpless you feel, you do have willpower. You do have a prefrontal cortex. It's like a muscle. The more you work it out the stronger it gets so we can make positive change but we have to abide by the rules of change the nine action factors and the first rule always is make the change as small as you can you know so start with one press up start with one walk around the block start with one piece of fruit start with going to bed 10 minutes earlier um, but the more we work out that willpower the stronger it gets and you never know which new habit you build that is going to be that first or second super habit or third super habit that you develop. And that's why we say you're only ever one habit away.